you're at the home front of an important battle. The American family is under assault. Eternal truths and understandings about family and marriage are being burned at the stake. Common sense is no longer common. Traditional values are being attacked as old-fashioned, obsolete, and irrelevant. Join us in the battle. Share, learn, and teach, adding your voice to the dialogue. Today at the home front. Welcome. You're talking with Jane from the home front, and we are continuing our show working to uh, advance healthy behaviors and attitudes for students who are heading off to college, going back to their high school classes, informing parents and those that are the mentors and advocates for these young people. And we just finished a dialogue about college uh, norms and behaviors and challenges to young people, uh, pushing them into behaviors that are risky. We're going to follow that up here with a wonderful bit of information about sexual risk avoidance, SRA education. And we are going to do that with Valerie Huber. Welcome, Val- Valerie. Hi there. Valerie is the CEO and president of the National Abstinence Education Association, and she's been around this subject for many, many years. I don't want to make you sound old, Valerie, because you're very young. (laughs) You're much younger than I, but she knows what she's talking about. Uh, She's quite an expert in this area and heads the national organization that works in this area. Valerie, let's start right off the bat with the SRA definition, sexual risk avoidance. In our earlier segments, we were talking about how people were promoting condoms on the college campus, and one of the terms they used was protection. They said, if you're having sex, you need to use protection And many people think that condoms are advisable because they are protection and they're going to make sex safe. Uh, Sexual risk avoidance is a an approach to looking at our sexual behaviors for healthy outcomes. And many people don't understand. They think that we're already doing that by promoting condoms. So can you define the term for us, sexual risk avoidance, and maybe give us an example that we can relate to fairly easily. Uh, I know many times we've done that with tobacco. Absolutely. Well, we um, we didn't coin the term sexual risk avoidance, and we didn't coin the concept risk avoidance in general. It's really a public health concept that uh, is used to describe, define, and uh, implement public health strategies that are designed to help uh, the individual achieve the optimal health as a result. So an example would be uh, tobacco, as you said. Uh, the common message is don't start smoking, and if you are currently smoking, here are some strategies to help you um, discontinue that so you can resume a healthy lifestyle. Unfortunately, in the area of sex education, particularly adolescent sex education, as you said, um, there's a much different message that is presented. And um, we really prefer using the term sexual risk avoidance because it defines and describes 
what we're talking about from a public health standpoint. What are the behaviors and the decisions and choices that need to be made in order to achieve um, the avoidance of any kind of sexual risk? And, of course, that means waiting to have sex. And, and certainly most Americans and virtually all parents agree that it's healthier holistically healthier in many, um, you know, all, all of the uh, body, mind, and spirit uh, if a young person waits to have sex. Right. Now, uh, when we talk about sex and waiting and um, avoiding risk, the popular culture wants to to point to the contraception message, the birth control, and the condoms messages as that strategy. Can you distinguish what is different from the SRA message and what is commonly promoted out there? And before you get going, I just want to let uh, listeners know that we did talk about condoms in detail last week and we had an OBGYN doctor, Dr. Frida Bush, who is an expert in that area, present some detailed information. So we won't have time to do that kind of discussion tonight with Valerie. And I would direct you to the podcast of that show that's available on my website from thehomefront.org. All the shows end up there as podcasts. So visit and get informed there. But Valerie, from the SRA standpoint, what's different between those two messages, this sexual risk avoidance and that uh, try all of these birth control condom things to do your best? Well, at the very core, the context of all the messaging uh, is very different and the goal is very different. So for an SRA or sexual risk avoidance class, the goal is to um, provide information and skills so teens wait to have sex and if they're currently sexually active, to discontinue that activity. By contrast, a condom-centered or what can be called sexual risk reduction has um, as its goal to increase condom and contraceptive use because the underlying um, belief is that teens are going to have sex And so the message is not so much to discourage sexual activity and experimentation, but to reduce some of the consequences of that. And so um, right from the very start, the goals are different. Mm -hmm. And then I mentioned that the context is different. So um, both approaches talk about uh, teen sexual activity, but the way that that is communicated is very different because the underlying belief regarding um, teens and their ability to make healthy decisions are very much different, and so then the messaging surrounding that is very different. Now, there's a couple of things packed into that uh, answer that you just gave that I think would be interesting to uh, take a minute one of the notions is that teens are just going to have sex anyway. Can you tell us what uh, they're reporting about teens currently in our culture, their ability to, to maintain sexual abstinence? Yes. 
Well, I'd love to direct your listeners to a recent report that came out um, from the CDC called the Youth Risk Behavior Survey. And the results of that survey are available on the CDC site if you just do a search for YRBS. And what it shows is there are some really positive trends. Um, And one of them is that over the last 20 years, there's been a pretty consistent and pretty dramatic when you take the the culture into account of um, teens choosing to wait for sex. So that is one thing that that many people don't know. They think that most teens are having sex and so then the messaging around that changes. In addition to that, um, teens are waiting longer. Those that do have sex, they're not having it as early as they used to, which is a good thing as well. Yes. Unfortunately, um, we're, we're beginning to see a little bit of an uptick in the number of partners that teens are having that are sexually active. And I can't help but think that the current um, focus of federal sex ed policy under the Obama administration has contributed to that because there's a, uh, by and large, a normalization of teen sexual experimentation in these sex ed programs. Right. And so, unfortunately, uh, while it's not yet statistically significant in, in terms of from a, a research standpoint, the trend is moving in the wrong direction among those who have had sex. That is problematic, and we certainly want to address that and make sure it doesn't continue in the future. Now, we're going to continue on the next uh, segment on the other side of the break with some more details about SRA so that you get a better idea of what makes it unique and what makes it advantageous for young people. The NAEA, the Professional Organization for Abstinence Education, uh, is providing trainings around the country. So Valerie is going to get into that and what is part of a training and what happens to people after they've attended that training, their, the increase in their understanding about this. I want to direct you to her website, which is theabstinenceassociation.org. Valerie, is there another address on the web for you? Yeah, the easiest way to find our website is to go to thenaea.org. You can type in abstinenceassociation.org, but it's uh, it's, it's a mouthful, huh? Mis- <laughs> it certainly is, and it's easy to misspell it. I have links for all of these on my website from thehomefront.org. We'll be back with Valerie in just a minute, defending the family with truth. Front. You're talking with Jane, and I am joined by Valerie Huber. She's the CEO and president of the National Abstinence Education Association located in Washington, D.C., and very involved in uh, getting funding and promoting programs and uh, setting a an overall message and strategy for presenting this as a healthy model for uh, our children. Valerie, we were talking about SRA, sexual risk avoidance, 
and giving people an idea in the first segment of what that uh, type of education involves. Lots of times abstinence education as minimized as a religious point of view or it's just your opinion or it's all about being moralistic. Can you give us an idea of why this this approach, sexual risk avoidance, is actually science-driven, science-based? Sure. Well, NAEA is not a religious organization, and we um, address this topic uh, purely from a health and scientific standpoint. And if you look at the large and growing body of social science research related to um, teen sexual behavior, um, uh, youth thriving, uh, marital stability, relationship health, uh, uh, thriving for uh, children and what kind of context is best for them. All of those things point to the very message that is uh, key and central to a sexual risk avoidance abstinence message. Um, that's certainly not it's not diminishing uh, the the importance from a faith perspective. Mm-hmm. What it's saying is, um, even for those who have no faith perspective, there are compelling reasons mm-hmm. why this message and this decision um, is important. And in that explanation, you touched on one of the notes I had from our earlier segment that we tend to treat sex, especially in this last uh, 50 years since HIV especially, we, we treat it as a mechanistic, kind of like a, an automobile. Our, our bodies are automobiles and we have to make sure they have the right parts and the right gas and the right additive. And we treat sex that way as young people are just their physical body. And you've touched on a couple of other areas that really are a component involved in the sexual choices that young people make. Well, absolutely. While the physical consequences um, can't be diminished and Mm -hmm. certainly need to be considered, they are only one small portion of of the whole conversation. When we're talking about teen sex, um, teen sexual initiation, it's far more than just the, the physical ramifications. While those are the, the consequences that are most often discussed in terms of pregnancy and sexually transmitted disease, because they present themselves um, more of a, uh, in, in a, such a way that it's easy to count those consequences. Right. There are many other consequences as well, and the social science research um, is accumulating a variety of potentially harmful consequences to early sexual activity. One in particular shows the far-reaching impact uh, that showed that the younger, uh, this, this studied uh, young women and teen girls, those who initiated sex early, were more than twice as likely to have uh, marital problems and, and their marriages end in divorce. Mm-hmm. So it's very possible for uh, a person to dodge the physical consequences at the time and yet have 
consequences that they may not have counted uh, happen much later as a result. And there are a number of social science studies, published research, that is beginning to uncover some of the lesser-known consequences of teen sex. Now, in your SRA trainings, you go into this in some degree of detail and um, in a coherent uh, message that leads people from one idea to the next. And this training is offered around the country. If it's available to our listeners, I would encourage you to sign up, register, and attend. But you can also contact Valerie and the NAEA to bring it to your location and sponsor a training wherever you are around the country. Valerie, the training uh, is open to parents, administrators, teachers, uh, and medical professionals, a lot of people who are nurses and public administ- uh, public health officials and doctors attend your trainings. Am I correct? It really runs the gamut. Anyone mm-hmm. who is interested in teen health, particularly teen sexual health, would benefit from this training. It's more than a training, though. It's actually a credentialed certification where those who successfully complete all of the coursework, including two full days of, of interactive, in-person uh, uh, classwork and a final exam, can then put SRAS after their name after they have uh, passed all of, all of those requirements. And it's a credential m- much like other professional credentials for specific uh, fields of study and, and fields of work. What we really do is key in on best practices surrounding this approach. What does the science say? Um, what does what are the best educational methods that are are the most likely to um, help you be an effective uh, sex education teacher or sexual risk avoidance? teacher, uh, what does the history say, and what can we learn from history so that we don't repeat the same mistakes? Right. Um, how, how to communicate with uh, confidence and competence, how to use the media to your advantage, Okay. a, a variety of things like that, and we already have a number of them throughout the country, uh, not in Arizona and not in the Southwest, I don't think, right now, so we would love to have... Uh, an SRAS training there. That would be great. Now, uh, we just have a very short amount of time left. I am very interested having worked with doctors and nurses and knowing that a lot of them are actually involved in the abstinence field. Can you give us an idea of someone who has attended an SRA training and had a major awakening to the value of this message and the fact that it is based on science and it is more than just saying no to sex. Uh, can you give us a, a feel for somebody sitting in an SRA training and their awakening to the, this message? Absolutely. One person comes to mind who is a, a public health administrator, worked in a, a county health department, and interacted with teens on a regular basis uh, but did not see the value of the sexual risk avoidance abstinence approach. 
having participated, though, in the SRAS training, at the conclusion, this uh, public health uh, expert confided in us that they totally changed their view Mm -hmm. and were compelled by the research and uh, information that they had no idea existed in support of the SRA approach. And that is not a unique response. In nearly every training that we provide, uh, there is at least one person who comes who either had been teaching a different approach or was uncertain or had been antagonistic uh, that when presented with the facts and the research and um, even the anecdotal stories of students being mm-hmm. lives being changed, they then also changed their minds. This should be great encouragement for those of you that are listening to get in touch with the NAA and set up a training for your community, for your district. It doesn't have to be localized just for your school district. If you bring it to the area, you can open it up to all sorts of people in the area and, and share the cost of this, this training. And it is a wonderful opportunity to credential people that are tr- uh, working with our young people so that we know they really have a fact-based message to give to young people that is the healthiest message for them. Valerie, I want you to repeat your web uh, address one more time, and I am going to link uh, your web address to my website, from thehomefront.org. They have all sorts of wonderful research information and reports that can add to your understanding of what we were talking about. And listen again on podcast or direct somebody you know to the podcast. Valerie, your website one more time? org. Wonderful. Thank you so much for being here. This is Jane from The Homefront. Thank you for spending your time with us. Defending the Family with Truth. We'll see you next time.